Everyone has a story. What's yours? Hi, I'm Michael. And I'm Katie. And this is Monumental, a small show about the big things that God does in the lives of ordinary people. Today, we're going to talk to Heidi. Heidi is my sister-in-law, and she's married to my big brother, Joseph. Joseph is a pastor who planted a church in Indianapolis, and now he and Heidi are planning a church in Cincinnati. They have five children, two of whom are adopted. They haven't always had five kids, though, and that's the story we're going to hear from her today. to marriage, I was very self-determined and self-motivated, so pretty much got what I wanted and did what I wanted and was good at the things that I wanted to do. And so I went to college, got married, which were both things that I wanted to do. And then we got (laughs) married and then we decided to try to start having kids. I was a little nervous about starting a family. Growing up as an only child, like (laughs) you just don't really have a clue what it's like to be in a house of a ton of children. But Mm -hmm. I was very excited and wanted children and assumed that I would just get pregnant immediately. Like we make the decision and then we have children. Children mm-hmm. um, until does. midlife. You think it's so easy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was picturing having a lot of kids, like having one and then within a couple of years having another one and being at home with them and starting normal family life. Yeah. And my mom always wanted to stay home with me, but never was able to. So I was always very happy that my husband wanted me to be able to stay with home Mm -hmm. with our kids when we had them. And all my friends were also getting married and people around me starting to have families too. When I'd tell people like we were hoping to have kids soon, everyone was excited and be like, yeah, I'm I'm going to be watching you. (laughs) So we wanted to start having kids. Then we're just kind of waiting expectantly to find out when I'd be pregnant. And I was currently working at the church office being the secretary. Mm -hmm. And I guess you figured that would be a pretty short-term gig. Yeah, I was like, you know, I'll agree to the job, but it was under the assumption that if I got pregnant, then that would be the end. We went through a long year or year and a half, or I don't even remember how long, um, Mm -hmm. of waiting to get pregnant, and and then... I did get pregnant and we found out right away because I was very aware of of when we would be pregnant. And so we found out and told everybody right away and we're excited and I was fully expecting that in nine months we'd have a baby and Mm -hmm. looking forward to that. And then it was just within a week that I miscarried. When it started, I wasn't quite sure. I was like, oh, maybe this is just normal. Like it hadn't really entered my mind that I could be losing the baby. Mm. But then as things progressed, I realized, oh, this is a miscarriage. And it was hard to feel anything at first because it's such a hypothetical hope that you're hoping for when you just find out you're pregnant. Right. You're not far along enough to like feel the baby yet or have it to start become sort of this reality yeah but then just the physical pain of it made me grieve a bit more and it brought joseph and i together a lot and um Mm. so we got through the first miscarriage which was difficult and And at this point you'd been married how long we'd been married a couple years I remember Michael actually helping me grieve the loss of that baby because I had just kind of gotten numb to the loss of it. And there was one time we got together to just pray together and she had cried for me and told me that my baby had a soul. And 
I hadn't really accepted that it was a person, like it was a mm-hmm. baby that we lost. Um, and so that was hard. It was hard for me to process that, you know, life starts so fragile and so, I don't know, not concrete. So vulnerable. <laughs> so once we had grieved, I thought like, okay, lots of women have miscarriages. And I knew that. I knew I knew of many women who had had miscarriages. And so I thought, you know, okay, well, that was my one miscarriage. Mm-hmm. Now we're off to the races. <laughs> Let's get on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> So then we started the cycle again of waiting to get pregnant, and it didn't happen right away, and took a long time again. And so I started wondering if I was ever going to get pregnant and why it took me so long to get pregnant. And you know, in the meantime, I had you know, I had friends who were getting married, and you know, having two babies to every one time I got pregnant, and yeah. and <laughs> they were struggling with being pregnant and mm-hmm. the difficulty of having children Mm -hmm. um, close together and just the difficulties of pregnancy. And Mm -hmm. so it was hard to listen and actually fully bear their burdens too and admit that, yes, having children is hard. I had to, it was hard to not have a chip on my shoulder, but I didn't want to have a chip on my shoulder or make people feel guilty that they were having children (laughs) and I wasn't. And as the church secretary, I'd always have the women stop in at Bible study and tell me like, hey, "Hey, I'm pregnant. Can you add my name to the bulletin? Um, And so I'd add 10th or 11th or 12th name to the bulletin of people expecting. Try not to feel too sorry for myself. So we were waiting. It took us another year or year and a half to get pregnant. Um, I got pregnant the second time and I was like, okay, well, this time it's for real because I already had my miscarriage. And the second time when I started to miscarry again, I was just angry. I wasn't fearful. I wasn't sad. I was just very, very, very angry. Yeah, like this wasn't supposed to happen. I had my one. Yes. I went through the grief. Now it's time for. Yes. Yeah. Had that experience. Yeah. It's behind me. And now God will give us children. So I was just very angry at God. Mm-hmm. More angry than I had ever been directly at God. Because I, I know children come directly from God. And I didn't feel like there was anyone or anything else to blame yeah. But God. And I remember just being angry and kicking the wall in our apartment and just like throwing a little hissy fit and mm-hmm. just not knowing what to do with that. Yeah. Um, like, how do I process wanting a godly desire that most of our culture despises? Yeah. And God not honoring that. And yeah. And it feels frustrating because you feel like, oh, I'm, I am being a godly woman. I'm desiring what God wants us to desire. Other people don't want that or don't want to be obedient to that and they're having children and so then yeah it's like it is so vulnerable I remember the like first time I went to the doctor to start like you know for fertility treatments figure out what's going on or whatever Mm -hmm. and I came home and I just felt like so I don't know like almost embarrassed or yeah just so vulnerable I guess Mm -hmm. it's just the best way to say it I just went home and I just got in bed and I spent like several hours just Mm -hmm. in bed just like sad yeah. Which wasn't mm-hmm. the right response, you know, probably, but it's just like oh, how I, I felt. It, and then you, Michael, came over that afternoon. I think you had texted me and were like, are you okay? Yeah. And then you came over and took me out for tea and was like, let's <laughs> talk about this. I, I know, didn't know what pray. was going on, but I could tell something was, was not right. Which was really encouraging. Sometimes you just need somebody come, like, take you out of it and say it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember you way. saying at the time that you just almost felt violated 
by, you know, this very private act, you know, between a husband and a wife and then having to get a doctor involved, you know, or just having, even having to have a conversation about it, you know, and it's like, I don't want to talk about this with you. I don't know you. Who are you to, you know? (laughs) Yeah. I remember having lots of deep, deep thoughts on my bed about just how in previous cultures or in previous times, I would just be like a nothing woman because I couldn't have Mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird to even have that thought in America today. But I was in a church culture and with friends and was actually friends with Africans, you know, told me, if you were from my country, your husband would send you back. Um, Really processing what women through history Mm -hmm. have felt. And after that second miscarriage, sometime after that, just in the wait, really started seeking out the scriptures. Like it popped into my head that one of the moms of the patriarchs was barren for a while, which was hugely strengthening to me because I was in good company and it didn't reflect my godliness. Mm-hmm. Like it right. felt like it was, like I was processing from God. Or yeah, I was like processing that. it as God withholding something good from us as a punishment or yeah, because there was something that I was supposed to learn or mm-hmm. some yeah. maturity point I was supposed to get to before I could have children. Yeah. And it was the first time in my life that I wasn't able to just do what I wanted, like mm. get what I wanted, do what I wanted, be what I wanted. We went through another year and a half of waiting and then um, and having our friends have babies. And then I got pregnant again. And that time I didn't miscarry right away. The other two had been pretty early. The next time I was pregnant for, I think, eight weeks or something before I went and had an ultrasound because I had gone, I had actually made it to the doctor that time, which I hadn't the first two. Mm. Um, and they were ta- taking my, you know, hormone levels that were supposed to be doubling. I kept going in for blood tests like every two days or something. Eventually, they wanted to do an ultrasound to see if they could find a heartbeat. And so they did the ultrasound, and I had had the kind of miscarriage where the baby just basically stops developing right away. So my body thought I was pregnant, but the baby was not developing. So all of the stuff of pregnancy was continuing without a baby. I wanted to wait to see if my body would miscarry naturally. So I waited for another two weeks. And so it was, you know, 10 weeks of this off and on, like, you might be pregnant, you might not, but oh, now the baby has died. And then just waiting to miscarry. And when you miscarry, you go through birth pains for death. And it's really hard to bear the pain of that when the result is death. But yeah, I just remember the the, the surprise of how physically painful the miscarriage was that Mm. first miscarriage and you just like whoa how could something this small cause this much pain you know it just blindsided me I had Mm -hmm. no idea you know I knew a ton of people who had had miscarriages and you kind of know that it's just sometimes this happens but I had no idea of like whoa this is well and a lot a lot of people just don't talk about it right yeah but then on top of that your your body is like going through all of these hormonal shifts Mm -hmm. that are difficult with pregnancy and with motherhood and all of that. But it's like, it's like these crazy hormone shifts Mm. on top of grief and loss and physical pain. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've heard that uh, women who miscarriage often struggle with guilt. Is that Mm. something that you guys struggle with when you had miscarriages or... I think it's more common when you're not really very excited to be pregnant okay. yeah. and you have Maybe a miscarriage, yeah. which happens a lot too, you know, because, because a lot of times when you like find I out, have just been happy. Or yeah. Depending yeah. on what the circumstances are, yeah. you're not always thrilled to find out you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not always yeah. 
But if you're not happy about it and it happens and then you miscarry, that's not your fault. It's not like... Yeah, and then I did end up with a DNC after that one, which was also hard in its own right because you know I'm it's sorry, like you're basically like, going through an abortion. Um, it's the DNC. same. It's the same procedure as an abortion. It's just they're removing oh. Oh. the dead body and oh. the tissue and everything okay. from your womb. It and it was like my first surgery and first mm-hmm. doctor everything, and it was just traumatic. Yeah, you know. And then they're getting me ready and they're asking if I have other children, and I just start crying because oh, it's yeah. like or asking about previous pregnancies mm-hmm. and. And after we got through that one, we had already been talking about adoption. I had always had it in my mind growing up because we knew a couple who had adopted a little girl from the Ukraine in like the 90s, I think. And we went out to visit them in South Dakota. And I just thought she was like the cutest, most wonderful (laughs) child. And they hadn't been able to have biological children. And I just Mm -hmm. thought it was so amazing that you could Mm -hmm. adopt this orphan who needed parents from the other side of the world and love them and... But we weren't old enough yet. Wait, you weren't old enough? You weren't old. How old do you have to be? No, you had to be 25 for most international adoptions. Some you had to be 30. But Joseph and I had talked about the option. And when we became old enough, we decided that we would start to pursue it. So, you know, I miscarried and went through the surgery in the spring. That summer, we prayed about it and talked about it and researched (laughs) a lot. And then... I had still not started my period back either. So I was just thinking, like, maybe I'll just never have biological children. Mm. Like, maybe that's just it for me. Like, Mm. maybe the surgery messed me up completely forever. Mm. And so in the fall, we went through applying and going through going through the adoption start process. And so we got our home study done and started to pursue adopting from Ethiopia it was like the day after we turned in our application to adopt, I did start my cycle again. Okay. Um, but to me, it was just affirmation that God will be faithful and mm-hmm. I don't know the future. Mm-hmm. And so we turned in our application, went through the home study, were about done with our home study, and then our, <laughs> our agency rejected us because we said we would use spanking as a form of discipline. And they were unwilling for you to say that you would ever, ever use any kind of form of physical discipline. And we had many conversations with them, told them, like, we're not going to abuse our children. We're not going to spank out of anger. I remember them saying to us, you know, you're talking about spanking a, you know, two-year-old, and that's just unacceptable. And I I could understand if you were going to spank your five-year-old for running out in the street one time. (laughs) <laughs> Which we said, well, that's that's kind of the time that you want to be done spanking yeah. and, <laughs> and just doing a reactionary one time yeah. whack is right. more like abuse and not oh. discipline. So were you guys just un- unwilling to... <laughs> I, I gotta ask. Yeah, <laughs> I'm willing I mean, to like, lie. Well, I mean, yeah, I think that she had said we would use some forms of corporal punishment in addition to all of these other things. Mm-hmm. Our social worker was a Christian and was fine with mm-hmm. putting it in there. She put it in there in a way that was phrased well. And the agency didn't have any, you know, upfront rules about, you okay. know, don't even bother applying if you're mm-hmm. going to hmm, spank your children. So we were hoping that talking through it with them, they would be fine. Um, right. But they said no. So that was very frustrating. So we switched to a Christian agency that was very good. Got going with them and then got through the craziness of international adoption. I think at the time we turned in our paperwork, they said we'd get matched with a child within four to six months. And it took a year, I think, with our first one. But then we got, we did finally get matched. That was a hard wait too, because 
you're you're waiting for this hypothetical child that you have no idea what they're going to look like, what they're going to be like, how old they're going to be. Mm. Um, you know, so you're wanting to do the nesting things. You like, didn't apply for like, I don't know how it works exactly, but well, like a certain age. Yeah, or? we had said under okay. 18 months, I think, oh, okay. um, yeah. at time of referral. But it's not like you, <laughs> you know you're going to start out with a newborn. So it was hard to figure out how to get ready, but and then just praying for the child because you don't have any idea where they are, you know, and I found myself just praying for, you know, our son in Africa who, you know, could be in the hospital or could be on the side of the road or, you know, just praying for people to love our child. Wherever he was, yeah. We did get our referral and got matched. I do want to jump back to the time that I was waiting for children and having miscarriages. It was often the case that people wanted wanted to help comfort me and would just say, like, you know, I know so-and-so who had a lot of infertility or who had lots of miscarriages and you know now she has five children yeah, and, yeah. um and I was like okay well good for her but I know <laughs> I don't really know that yeah. that's gonna be the case for me yeah. and you know people would also want to comfort us by you know saying well you you don't have kids so you know you have these opportunities to go on these really cool trips now um, and I was one week in Scotland that's a great consolation yeah, yeah. that's really <laughs> gonna up for miscarriage yes. <laughs> and kids. so yes we had freedom to do some cool things but we wouldn't trade those for you know any particular day with our children now and I remember one time I think it was in the midst of the miscarriage where I didn't really know what was happening being over at a family's house and they were praying for us and they prayed for God's mercy on us and I was just angry I was Mm. like I don't want God's mercy I want children Mm. and it was good to realize that and just admit it and Mm. realize that I was just wanting children more than I was wanting God's will Mm. for my life. Mm -hmm. And if God's will wasn't to give me children, then I would take his mercy and kindness and love Mm. over getting what I wanted. And with a miscarriage, it was very tempting to just Mm -hmm. shut down emotionally and think my husband must be sick of me crying to him every single month that I'm not pregnant sick of me wanting children. And so I should just stop talking to him about it. Thankfully, I never did. And he was very patient. And it was good for us to grieve together every month. And good for me to still cry to him that it was hard to wait. Mm -hmm. And it would have hurt our marriage so much more for me to just decide, I'm just gonna give up hope and stop talking about it. So we're mid mid (laughs) adoption right now. (laughs) So with our first adoption, we did get referred a little boy who was six months old and 10 pounds. And Mm -hmm. so we then did some more paperwork and waited three more months and then were able to go and pick him up. So you flew over to Ethiopia to get him? We flew Mm -hmm. to Ethiopia and spent a week traveling around the country because we could. got to see like the town that he was born in and then went to the orphanage and got to pick him up. And we were with some other families and they all wanted us to go first because we were the only people who this was our first child. So we were waiting outside and the nannies brought him out and put him in our arms and I cried and Joseph cried and and there are you guys are both crying (laughs) and especially with our oldest son we had planned to name him Joseph Tate Bailey after my (laughs) husband and his grandfather and his grandfather and grandfather 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 (laughs) Um, Joseph Tate Bailey the seventh yes (laughs) and we had joked about you know in heaven like yeah this is where they turn black Um, (laughs) Joseph's grandfather loved African Americans before it was acceptable to do Mm -hmm. so 
months after we had him home, had our son home, I was reading through poems that Bapa had written decades ago and came to this one that was Praise for the Tribes. He was writing this psalm just praising God for the missionaries who had gone out and the tribes that had come to Christ and converted to Christianity. And the second tribe listed was Tate's tribe in Hmm. Ethiopia, which is, it just blows my mind because he could have never imagined that his grandson and namesake would have been from one of those tribes. Like a prophecy. Um, And it was just a time that God gave us such a little glimpse of how he's at work in the world through generations beyond, you know, my particular desire or lifetime that God is doing something so much bigger. Mm. And we have to surrender to his plan for our life in order to be a part of it. Because if we want to seize, you know, our will, we'll miss it. And so that's been such a beautiful reminder to us Mm. that, you know, our prayers affect our great-grandchildren and our grandchildren and, you know, generations. Um, After he had been home, I don't even know, about a year, maybe, I had another miscarriage. And at that point, after that one, I just wanted to be done. I just wanted to be like, can we just, like, get my tubes tied? Because I just don't want to go Go through through this. I mean, it's something that I thought we were never actually there, (laughs) decision-wise, discussing it. So I asked Joseph if we could if he'd consider adopting again from Ethiopia. And we started the adoption process again. We had to accept the fact that God called us to adoption. We were sure of it in Ethiopia, but many times it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Down to when we were ready to turn in our paperwork, it looked like the country might be closing adoption. And we decided, we prayed about it for a weekend, and we decided that, yes, God was calling us to do it. He kept encouraging us, kept giving us money whenever we were discouraged. And so we kept going. And during that process, I think after two years of waiting, we got pregnant again. And Mm -hmm. I was fairly surprised because it had been a long time. But we got pregnant and I was kind of like, okay, you know, at that point, when you've gone through numerous miscarriages, it's hard to, it's, you're you're excited, but you're scared. Bracing yourself. Yeah. And bracing yourself for yeah. Okay, well, what happens in a week or what mm-hmm. happens in two weeks? Um, after a couple of weeks of being pregnant, I started bleeding and was like, okay, here we go again. There were a couple of days that I was sure that I had miscarried and was like, okay, well, that's it, and started to grieve. And the next day I went to the doctor and they were like, well, we'll do an ultrasound and see how things are. And they said that there was a heartbeat and we had never, ever seen a heartbeat before on any of our babies. I think actually before that, I had one ultrasound before that where they said well everything's still looking okay but I don't there's nothing you can do and I asked you know should I like be on bed rest and the doctor said you know if if you feel better being on bed rest you can be on bed rest but (laughs) it's not going to do anything to help you and I kept wanting to you know look for something that I could do (laughs) to help but I just had to depend on God green smoothies yes (laughs) anything come on give me something I can do (laughs) um So all through that first trimester, I continued to have bleeding, which was horrible mm. because, you know, <laughs> you want... Every time you just think this is going to yeah. be... Yeah, and yeah. so you still... I was still faced with just the worry and fear of 
okay, am I ever going to have children? Is this baby going to live? But one thing I had learned is to just be thankful and joyful and love the children that God gives us for the time that he gives them. Mm, That I need to be excited. I need to love Mm. this child for however long their life is. It may only be six days that I Mm. am aware of them, Mm. but I can love them during those six days. And if I let fear just be the predominant thing, then I'll miss out on the joy of right now. I think, Um, yeah, yeah. that's such a sweet way to think of it, that this is a child that God has made and given to you. And Mm -hmm. there's no promises of how long we'll have. I mean, even the children that are delivered into the world, you Mm -hmm. know, we don't know how long they'll be there. And that, yeah. So that pregnancy ended up continuing. And, you know, after my first trimester, my doctor was a Christian and he said, well, you know, statistically, this is very, very good for you. Everything looks fine. There's no reason we should think or expect that anything's going to go wrong. But, you know, when do you stop worrying about your kids? He was like, my daughter's 18 and um, I'll let you know if it yeah. ever stops, but it hasn't stopped yet. Yeah. So we and we were able to have our daughter then that summer and that was amazing. And <laughs> we had waited, I think at that point it was eight years of waiting, married like nine years or something. Mm-hmm. And how old was Tate, your oldest? So at this he point? was, he was four or five. We expected that we would be bringing Moses, our next son, home sometime soon. We hadn't gotten a referral yet, but we were waiting for a referral. And so I was gearing up to like, you know, have a have a baby and then go to Ethiopia and get another baby. But it didn't happen that way. We had Eliza home for almost, or she was, <laughs> she was born and she was two before we were able to go to Ethiopia. But, and that in itself was difficult, more waiting. Yeah. I was, you know, pumping breast milk because I was going to bottle feed our baby mm. breast milk or I was excited about the possibility of breastfeeding our adopted baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... Then that didn't happen, and then I was done nursing, and we still didn't have a referral, and I was like, okay. And then finally, we did get a phone call and got referred another little boy who was 18 months old. So we did eventually go, all of us, to Ethiopia. But we brought him home, and then the next month, we got on to a new health insurance. And then two weeks later, I was pregnant. (laughs) And I laughed, and I told Joseph that there was a time during the wait of waiting for children that I had prayed that God would flood us with children. Mm. And (laughs) you're like, um, okay, now he's doing it. (laughs) Yes, we did. There was a time we had two babies in one year. is hosted by Katie Walker and Michael Crum. It is produced and edited by Nathan Alberson with help from Ben Salser, and it is executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jake Mensel. If you like the show, please don't forget to rate and review in the app of your choice. And if you're interested in more great content, including articles written by me and Michael and even some of our guests, please visit warhornmedia.com.